CPHI podcast series. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the CPHI podcast series. I'm Lucy Chard, digital editor for CPHI Online, and today I'm speaking with Sandra Sanchez de Ordinare from Pharma Advice. Sandra is a 35-year life sciences executive with significant operational and international experience operating top-ranked pharmaceutical companies, mainly in Latin America, including Pfizer, Merck, Sharp and Dom, and Novartis, and was successful in establishing operations for Amgen and Biogen in Mexico as president and GM. Her entrepreneurial spirit has led her to form her own consulting firm, Farm Advice, leveraging her extensive and in-depth experience in the commercial, regulatory, government affairs and access fields throughout Latin America. Her broad international experience has involved responsibility for regions such as Latin America, Canada and some countries in Asia, successfully navigating through their complex changing market dynamics. She's been very successful at influencing regulatory and government environments through public policy and lobbying efforts. Sandra has endless accolades to her name, and it was a real honour to get to speak to her and hear her thoughts in the following interview. We covered the wide-ranging topic of nearshoring in pharma, touching on manufacturing and supply, the various advantages and challenges that affect both the countries and the pharma companies, as well as the impacts nearshoring has economically through things such as trade, and socially as well in equitable access to medicine demonstrating the real ripple effect that nearshoring has. How can nearshoring and reshoring help to build a more resilient pharmaceutical supply chain? Thank you, Lucy, for the invitation. And uh, let me give a little bit of context just so we're on the same page. Uh, nearshoring involves uh, relocating pharmaceutical manufacturing closer to the target market or the home country. Having said that, then answering your question, obviously nearshoring and reshoring do offer significant advantages in enhancing the resilience of the pharmaceutical supply chain. And I I mean that because traditionally, many pharmaceutical companies have outsourced manufacturing to countries with lower labor costs, leading to long and complex supply chains. And I think that's the biggest problem. This approach while cost-effective, was proven to be vulnerable during global disruptions, such as the COVID-19 pandemic. And that made it very evident that nearshoring needed to be done. So by nearshoring or reshoring, uh, companies can reduce the length of the supply chain, leading to shorter lead times, improved responsiveness to market demands. Shorter supply chains are less susceptible to disruptions caused by transportation delays, geopolitical tensions, or even natural disasters, which we've seen. In 2023, we saw the ongoing impact of COVID-19 pandemic. As I mentioned, it became very evident, and this resulted in severe shortages of essential medicines and other types of commodities, and etc. But it was specifically for the pharmaceutical industry, shortages of essential medicines were very high, and it was due to over-reliance in certain countries for pharmaceutical manufacturing. So nearshoring can address these vulnerabilities by allowing companies to diversify their manufacturing locations, reducing reliance on specific regions, and enhancing the supply chain redundancy. 
Moreover, it can also boost collaboration and partnerships with local suppliers and governments. I believe it, it can create a stronger network to address challenges collectively, which today I believe is the way to go. By building a more decentralized supply chain through nearshoring and reshoring initiatives, the pharmaceutical sector can definitely ensure stable and consistent supply on medications, even during global crises such as COVID-19. Yeah, so you sort of touched on it there. But could you go into a bit more detail about the specific advantages for the countries themselves, as well as the pharmaceutical companies, as we start to see nearshoring become a lot more prevalent? Absolutely. I think it does present numerous advantages for both countries and pharmaceutical companies. For countries, it can stimulate economic growth by attracting foreign direct investment and creating job opportunities in the pharmaceutical sector. In turn, this can lead to improved infrastructure, technological advancements, and knowledge transfer, boosting the overall development of the local pharmaceutical industry. Moreover, I think nearshoring can improve access to essential medicines within the country by ensuring a local supply of medications. On the other side, for the pharmaceutical companies, nearshoring offers reduced production costs, lower regulatory compliance burden, and the ability to access skilled labor in the target market. I think these factors can lead to increased competitiveness and profitability for the companies. Additionally, I think uh, nearshoring can improve intellectual property protection, which is crucial uh, for the pharmaceutical industry. We, we live on that. So in summary, I think for countries, it gives economic growth. There is knowledge transfer and skills development that go into the host company, the host country, I'm sorry, enhanced healthcare access, strengthen IP protection. And for the pharmaceutical companies, reduce production costs, market proximity, supply chain resilience. And I think that can also benefit in regulatory benefits. Yeah, I mean, there's a myriad of benefits there, really, isn't there? Yeah, I think that's so interesting as well. The, of course, with the knowledge base, as you mentioned, like um, getting a talent even from just all over the world and being able to to utilize that from a more global perspective would help massively. And yeah, it's, it's just so many different advantages uh, for, for everyone involved, really. So will nearshoring mean more equal distribution for manufacturing medicines, as opposed to the monopoly that we see in some areas for certain components, such as, you know, sometimes we have a big monopoly uh, in Asia for the production of APIs and things like that. So will this reduce reliance on particular areas for those components? Absolutely, yes. Uh, I strongly believe that nearshoring can promote a more equal distribution of the pharmaceutical manufacturing and reduce the reliance on specific regions and countries. And you just mentioned Asia as one of the examples. Uh, Currently, some areas dominate the production of certain pharmaceutical components. uh, And that leads, as you mentioned, as potential monopoly and supply chain bottlenecks. I think that by diversifying manufacturing locations through nearshoring, companies can distribute production across different regions, enhancing supply chain redundancy and reducing the risk of disruptions. This approach can also uh, foster technology and knowledge transfer, empowering local pharmaceutical industries and nearshoring destinations. So ultimately, this can lead to a more equitable distribution of the medicine manufacturing capacity worldwide. I think these imbalances, what exists today, can be addressed by with nearshoring for diversification, for redundancy, for collaboration with local suppliers, technology transfer. So again, 
it encourages a more equitable distribution. Absolutely. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that will help just in in the general, you know, growth of the industry and sharing that knowledge base. It will really help to progress the whole industry. So it will really have really positive knock-on effects, won't it? Yeah. So, yeah, following on from that question, really, I mean, it seems almost obvious that it will, but how can nearshoring boost trade on a global scale? It will definitely boost trade globally. Uh, I think that by creating new trade partnerships and enhancing existing ones, when pharmaceutical companies invest in nearshoring, they establish relations with local suppliers and service providers in the target market. And I think that this interconnection promotes cross-border trade and collaboration between countries, leading to increased exports and imports of pharmaceutical products, raw materials, you name it. Furthermore, I think as nearshoring facilitates smoother supply chain operations, it can help streamline international trade processes, reducing trade barriers and promoting free trade agreements. I think the result is a more interconnected and robust global pharmaceutical trade ecosystem, if I can say it that way. So I think that the factors that can help or facilitate this are cross-border partnerships, export opportunities, streamlined supply chain, regional trade agreements, access to emerging markets even. So that's how I would actually describe the benefits, which I believe are a lot and have a lot of implications also, uh, economic uh, implications and employment and everything. Yeah, that's really interesting. I really like that phrase that you use, the uh, the trade ecosystem. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Like you said, it will pave the way and it, that will have far reaching effects, not even just in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, that could really pave the way in other industries as well and open a lot of doors. So that's really, you know, that's really interesting for the trade in general. Uh, okay, so how then can, you know, for improving trade and improving uh, distribution and things like that. So how can this actually improve on a more granular level, global access to medicine for, for the people that it will affect? How can it help to get medicines to less developed countries, the people that are really in need of some medicines that don't have the infrastructure or the funds in place already? But by establishing manufacturing facilities in or near these countries, uh, especially the less developed countries, pharmaceutical companies can cater to local demands, ensuring a steady supply of essential medicines. I believe that this approach not only improves accessibility, but it also reduces transportation costs and delivery times, which I think today are very important. And it makes medications more affordable for patients in these regions because they're there. So additionally, nearshoring can enable technology transfer and knowledge sharing, as we mentioned in, the, in, in other questions that we've talked about, and that empowers local pharmaceutical companies to address health challenges effectively. So here's how nearshoring would achieve this, by lo- having local supply, enabling local supply, reducing costs in general, because you're saving in transportation, you're saving in importation, and all of that can be passed on to the consumers in the form of more affordable medicines. Lower prices make medications more accessible, especially in less developed countries which they need it. You would have tailored solution to the local needs. Obviously, technology transfer, which has an impact economically and so forth. And you're creating uh, local jobs, which at the end of the day, that has an improvement in everything. And especially in healthcare infrastructure and benefiting the local populations. 
So I truly believe that overall nearshoring enhances global access to medicine by ensuring a more reliable supply, reducing costs and empowering local industries and less developed countries. Like you said, by reducing costs and things like that, it's a really key one. I, I mean, personally, I remember in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, even just in testing for the virus using the lateral flow tests, to use an example, in the UK, they were freely available for at least the first year. But in certain countries in across Africa, they were very expensive just to, just to get a, a lateral flow test. And that had a massive impact on the spread of the disease there and everything and how people thought about it and all of those things. It has a massive knock-on effect, something like that. And so I think it's really important that we can do things to reduce those costs. Especially in less developed countries, which they need it. Yeah, exactly. Speaking further on that, how will this help in the face of future medicine shortages, other global disasters, further pandemics or any endemic diseases as well, epidemics rather, and things such as the wars? I know we're struggling with the medicine shortages given the war in Ukraine and things like that. So how can nearshoring help to combat or mitigate the effects in those sort of situations? I truly believe it, it makes, it, they have, nearshoring plays a crucial role. And we are, we lived through it with COVID-19 and we lived through the war in Ukraine. And people think that Ukraine is on the other side of the world. But at the end of the day, it had a huge impact on grain supply and many other supplies and commodities. So by diversifying the production base and adopting a more distributed approach, pharmaceutical companies can respond swiftly to unforeseen events that disrupt the supply chain. Sometimes we don't even know where that will be. So the more diversified in geographies and in products you are, the better. In the case of pandemics, nearshoring can ensure a continuous supply of vital medications to affected regions, minimizing healthcare crisis, such as the COVID-19. And similarly, in times of geopolitical instability, or even natural disasters, having multiple manufacturing sites in different locations can mitigate the impact of disruptions and maintain a stable supply of medicines globally. This approach bolsters overall healthcare resilience and ensures that patients receive the necessary treatments during challenging times. So nearshoring contributes by having a supply chain resilience, you have local production capacity. So during global disasters and shortages, these countries can ramp up production to meet increased demands, reducing the reliance on imports. I think you have a faster response time, uh, particularly crucial during pandemics or wars where quick access to medicines can save lives. Uh, you have uh, a tailored manufacturing, so you can quickly adapt manufacturing processes to produce specific medicines needed during emergencies. I think this agility enables a more targeted response to crisis. And the fact that you're collaborating and you're sharing information, I think it fosters, nearshoring fosters closer collaborations. Look at how COVID-19 uh, vaccine was developed. It was really through collaborations between pharmaceutical companies, host countries, and other stakeholders. I think this exchange of information and resources can facilitate better coordination and preparedness during global disasters. 
So again, overall, nearshoring's ability to build supply chain resilience, increase local production capacity, and improve response times make it a valuable strategy in the face of future medicine shortages or global emergencies, which I believe will still be coming uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. We um, You can't predict when they're going to happen necessarily, and they will continue to happen. <laughs> um, I mean, even just last week, as you said about um, just natural disasters uh, having an impact. I know last week there was um, a tornado in North Carolina that affected a drug manufacturing site for Pfizer. So there's things like that, that it, even in, you know, we said a lot about less developed countries, but even in more developed countries and places that seem you know, that they might be more secure or a more traditional hub of those kind of activities are still affected. So it is very important. Completely agree with what you're saying about collaboration, um, especially since the pandemic. There's definitely been a shift there, I think, in the mindset of a lot of pharmaceutical companies that collaboration really is key in a lot of the to work on a lot of the important issues across the industry. So I'm really pleased that that is a theme that's, you know, continuing across the board and that measuring comes into that. So that's really brilliant. So I think that collaboration and information sharing definitely triggers innovation. Um, and if we all do it together, I think we can go get to better discoveries and to better innovation, especially in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, absolutely. So did you have any, any final comments, maybe anything that you wanted to mention that we haven't quite touched on at all? I just I would only want to conclude that at the end, nearshoring presents a compelling and transformative strategy for the pharmaceutical sector, offering numerous benefits for countries, pharmaceutical companies, and global health. As we move forward, it is essential for stakeholders to embrace nearshoring as a means to build a more resilient, diverse, and responsive pharmaceutical supply chain. I think the events of 2023 have emphasized the need for such strategies. Today, we're, we're living the global disruptions that have exposed vulnerabilities in the traditional long and complex supply chains. I think nearshoring not only strengthens supply chain resilience, but it also fosters economic growth, knowledge transfer, and improved access to medicines worldwide. However, it is crucial for policymakers, industry leaders, and governments to collaborate in creating an enabling environment for nearshoring initiatives. This includes addressing regulatory challenges, supporting local manufacturing capabilities, and especially promoting sustainable practices that benefit both the pharmaceutical industry and the countries hosting these investments, because all of this at the end will have an economic financial impact in the different countries, social impact also. And so by harnessing the potential of nearshoring and reshoring, the pharmaceutical sector can pave the way for a more reliable, equitable, and efficient global healthcare ecosystem, ready to face the challenges of the future. Thank you again to Sandra for taking part in today's podcast. Sandra is just so knowledgeable in this area and how this translates across regions and nuanced economies. It was a really eye-opening conversation, and I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed it as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about nearshoring, including further content from Sandra herself, please visit cphionline.com and make sure to subscribe to the CPHI Online newsletter. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.
Thank you for listening to the CPHI podcast series. For pharmaceutical news, webinars, events and more, visit cphionline.com. Thank you.